Welcome to The Real Ethics, where we talk all things real and ethics in reference to professional practices and pop culture. I'm your host, Ronnie Brooks. This week, I decided to go down the rabbit hole and explore the concept of freedom of speech. I found some great content on history.com's website and kind of felt that it was the proper time to talk about this issue, given today's climate. If you don't know, freedom of speech, or it comes from ancient Greeks, is derived from the word prisia, which means free speech or to speak candidly. In America, freedom of speech is protected under the First Amendment. It allows us the right to speak our opinions and question our government without fear of legal action or retaliation. It also prohibits governments from restricting or censoring freedom of expression just because a portion of the population disagrees or does not like it. So how do we adapt to the core ethical principles without interfering with the rights and welfare of others in reference to one's freedom of speech, ownership of their artistic expression, or property or homes? Well, let's bring to light the ethics behind respecting each other's spaces and expressions in this episode, My Lawn, My Signs, and the Rule of Censorship. A political cartoon that's over 200 years old. Um, it depicts George Washington riding on a donkey, being led by a man, and the caption, the caption suggests that this man is leading an ass to Washington. I can handle that. I... I think George can handle that. But that's a far cry from committing incest with your mother in an outhouse. I mean, there's no line between the two? Uh, no, Justice Scalia. I would say there is no line between the two because really what you're talking about is a matter of taste and not law. Uh, as, as you yourself said, I believe, in Pope versus Illinois, uh, it's useless to argue about taste and even more useless to litigate it. And that is the case here. Uh, the jury has already determined for us that this is, is a matter of taste and not a matter of law because th they've said that there is no libelous speech, that nobody could reasonably believe that Hustler was actually suggesting that Jerry Falwell had sex with his mother. So why did Hustler have him and his mother together? Hustler puts him and his mother together in, in an example of literary uh, travesty, if you will. And what public purpose does this serve? Well, it serves the same public purpose as having Gary Trudeau say that Reagan has no brain or that George Bush is a wimp. It lets us look at public figures a little bit differently. We, we have a long tradition in this country of satiric commentary. Now, if, if Jerry Falwell can sue uh, when there has been no libelous speech purely on the grounds of emotional distress, then so can other public figures. And imagine, if you will, suits against people like Gary Trudeau and Johnny Carson for what he says on The Tonight Show tonight. Obviously, when, when people criticize uh, public figures, they're going to experience emotional distress. We all know that. It, it's the easiest thing in the world to claim, and it's impossible to refute, and that's what makes it a meaningless standard. Really, all it does is allow us to punish unpopular speech. And, and this country is founded, at least in part, uh, on the firm belief that unpopular speech is absolutely vital to the health of our nation. Thank you, Mr. Isaacman. The clip you just heard is from the 1996 film, The People vs. Larry Flint. Flint was a huge proponent of the First Amendment. He is also one of the best examples of government censorship and how moral values of one group are pushed on another. His case showed us the effectiveness of the Socratic approach by questioning the reasoning of government and censorship boards and brought to light the contradictions of these establishments. 
and how important it is to be able to have a Socratic dialogue, especially when defending one's freedom of speech or rights, which have shown to prevail through their history as a result of bringing attention to these issues and creating change in some cases, for instance, like civil rights movement from 1919 to 1960s. However, censorship still exists. Even though censorship by the government is unconstitutional, this is our ethical dilemma, and this is what we will be talking about this episode. So let's reel it out. We've often seen censorship depicted in films, but also enforced across various mediums like art, music, and literature. The ACLU provided several examples of this across various industries, like that in the music industry, like in 1975, when radio stations across the country refused to play Loretta Lynn's The Pill because of its reference to birth control. And in 1997, when three owners of a concert venue in Mississippi were arrested and given six-month jail terms for booking a performance by two live crew. I mean, everyone gets horny. Government and music executives censored explicit content of artists like Ice-T, Public Enemy, and NWA, just to name a few, who spoke up against police brutality of minority communities. Here's Ice Cube speaking on this in 1989. What are you guys up to now? What the album, when the album jumped out the box, you know, it took off, you know, because Easy album, like, took off before it. We got a lot of flack, you know, on the song we said about the police, you know. We ain't talking about all police, man, but there's bad police out there. A lot of people pretend that these kind of police brutality and stuff like that don't happen in their city. You know what they're saying? They're saying that we're infesting their kids to believe that co cops are bad. And we just tell the truth, and it goes for, you know, damn near every city, you know. Similar censorship occurred within films. In 1945, the film Scarlet Street was banned from cinemas, as well as in 1941, the film Two-Faced Women was banned from cinemas due to its adultery content. The same in literature. You have schools in the present time, like that in the state of Florida, who, bo who banned books due to their censorship. In short, History has shown that governments around the world have oppressed and censored forms of personal expressions under circumstances in which these expressions questions moral values and authority. These artistic or political expressions question current beliefs and take a Socratic approach to discovering truth and changing ideas. For those of you who did not get the chance to listen to the recent table read on the Socratic method, I highly recommend you listening to it for clarification on the constructs discussed in this episode but also to learn more effective means to expressing and challenging your own ideas and the ideas and beliefs of others. Freedom of speech sounds wonderful, especially on paper. However, we must acknowledge that the First Amendment covers sex rights of, or clauses. In this episode, we are only looking at one, which is freedom of speech, in reference to censorship. But before going for, further, we need to talk about the 14th Amendment, which is known as the Incorporation Doctrine. It basically prohibits state and local governments from taking actions or issuing legislation which would violate rights guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. 
This includes the freedom of speech. While this all sounds grand, there are limitations to these amendments. For instance, freedom of speech does not cover any type of speech that incites actions that would harm others, nor does it cover speech that makes or distributes obscene materials. Note, the Supreme Court interpretation of the First Amendment's protections of artistic expression is very broad for a reason. It extends not only to speech, vocal speech, but also to books, theatrical works, and paintings, but also to posters, television, music videos, and comic books, and for purpose of this episode, also signs. The problem is, there's still a violation of our rights when it comes to censorship. Our guest for this episode, Sarah and Chad Spinks, are another example of how these censorship practices are still applied today. Tonight, a family in business says the city is violating their First Amendment rights by citing them for signs placed in their yard. Fox 5's Liberty Zabala is live outside that home to explain why the family says they will not pay the fines. Liberty. Well, Kathleen, you can see their signs right here in their front yard. The homeowners here say they're expressing their freedom of speech and they refuse to take them down. I am really, really interested in civic engagement, local politics. I, f I feel really strongly that all politics is local. And so I have opinions about the direction of my community. And this is how I share my opinion. If you wanted to know the political views of Chad and Sarah Spinks, you wouldn't have to look further than their front yard. But it's these signs with phrases like Black Lives Matter and one supporting local candidates that got them into trouble with the city of Vista. At this point, we've received two uh, fines. The first one for 125, the second for 250. Um, up to a thousand dollars. The Spinks say they shouldn't have to pay, but the city of Vista says it fined the homeowners for violating its municipal code for exceeding the amount and size of signs allowed on a property. The city released a statement saying in part, quote, the city does not regulate the content of signs, but rather the size, location, type, and other special considerations. It went on to say these temporary signs may not be erected, installed, placed or maintained by any person prior to 35 days preceding any federal, state or local election. But the Spinks say the fines are a violation of their First Amendment rights and will fight to keep them up. I stand convicted that this is uh, an issue that I want to fight for and fight for all my neighbors. I got the opportunity to speak with both Sarah and Chad Speaks through a Zoom call and kind of ask them further information regarding their experience and some of the laws in place and how censorship occurs in today's time and pretty much ask them like what actually happened. And this is how our discussion went. We were served a citation or a warning for our signage in our front yard, which were coming up on election season. We had uh, a number of signs uh, expressing our political views and candidates that we were in support of for the upcoming election. And we're told by the city official, the uh, code enforcement officer, that we were out of regulation and knew immediately that he was full of shit and told him that they were wrong 
and that we would not be observing any kind of citation that they would be giving us. And, um, and to back it up a little further, I already knew this might be coming to our doorsteps because um, I had friends uh, who had code enforcement come to their house the previous weekend and they tried to do the same baloney. And so people had already posted the, the code violation paper on Facebook and reading it, just the, just the semantics of it, the, the way it was written, like the city of Vista needs a copy editor or they need to tell their attorney, <laughs> like, hey, bro, you like actually aren't doing like a good enough job um, because the way this is written is in it's contradictory of itself. So it's saying in a column, the amount of signs you can have not applicable. And then in another column, it says total square footage allowed. And it's like no sign to exceed more than uh, two square, two by two square feet or whatever. I can't remember the exact size, but in the column where it says how many you can have, it says not applicable. So you know what, like the way you wrote your own stupid code isn't even correct. So you should either hire a copy editor or tell your city attorney or your city planner, whoever is your city manager, all these people, these city staff people who make excellent money, they're doing a terrible job and they're infringing on my rights. So I told the guy that came to our house to eat shit and <laughs> basically get off my lawn and like, I was basically like, no, I'm using my social media now. Like, I know a lot of people in town because I'm pretty, I'm Sarah and everywhere I, where I go and people know me. So I was just like, nope, just going to blast this on my social media. I do not care. You will take these signs from my cold, dead hands. This is my right. This country was literally founded on residential property rights. Like, that's a huge part of who we are as Americans culturally. Being able to express your own views on your own residential property, that's, that's a right that you have. You, you, and if anybody, especially the government, tries to come to tell you what you can say at your house, you need to fight them. Like, which, you need to put everything you got into that fight, and you got to fight them. Which I uh, <laughs> immediately appreciated the irony in all of the conversations that I would see on social media or Facebook that Sarah would have regarding free speech and you know what it means to be free speech and all the censorship that's happening on Facebook and Twitter that that's an infringement of their First Amendment. And it's like, no, no it's, it's when the government comes in yes. and tells you, you can't do that. Yeah. And, there was like the knee-jerk reaction to some people after Sarah shared the story was that's not a First Amendment issue. It's like it is are, this 100% is literally the, most... the government coming in telling yes. us what we can and can't say. And it sent me down the path to review the Supreme Court cases that argued in favor of the uh, residential rights uh, to free speech. And uh, it was very clear that the city of Vista had no clue, like how far out of violation they are, or out of code yeah. they are. 
um, because their code was not updated until, was last updated significantly in 1994, a which ago, was yeah. two years before the Supreme Court made the ruling in 96. Setting the precedent. That set the precedence for pretty much knocking down the whole argument of similar yard sign laws that were on the books. What do you both believe is the ethics behind this whole ordeal? Like, you know, with regard to, do you think it was a moral issue with regard to their values of what they want to see presented on certain signs? Because you guys aren't part of an HOA. That's not your no, residential no. community. We're so, not part of an no. HOA. And I'm over here being like Black Lives Matter, Bernie signs all day. Um, I'm pretty far left. I'm allowed to be all those things in my house yes. all day long. I live in Vista and you know what? I've been watching my local government for a while. They're really interested in increasing property value and improving the city in that way. They like to invest in property value and do projects and bring in developers and that's their MO. I think that we could do that and we could also strike a balance and we could be investing in people. And those kind of were all the candidates like that were in my yard was a bit more about like, how do we have more equity in our community? How do we have more inclusivity? Two arguments that they typically fall on. It's for public safety. Okay. Reasons of public safety and maintaining aesthetics, which is such an arbitrary field for them to leave open. But a lot of them have used that argument saying that we have invested this money in this town to have a certain kind of look or appeal aesthetic that we want to keep things clutter free. And at the end of the day, it's just them wanting to impose a specific regulation on a homeowner. And it's been proven that no matter the form, the, the color that you paint your house, like that can be a form of expression. So yep. if the government wants to come in and tell you you can't paint it that color, yep. that's an infringement of your First Amendment right. Yeah. It gets murky when you start talking about HOAs. And HOAs, like that's an, a whole different episode of its own because they were developed based off of discrimination policies. People in our society really, really, oh, they just like value property value and i i already bought my home i'm not i don't plan on selling it i don't really care about my property value i am happy i have a house i can afford it that's not my that's not my interest i'm not interested yeah. in making my property worth a million dollars because i'm not going anywhere i want it to be yeah. nice and i live here but it always bothers me when elected officials are boasting about the high price of housing and it's like when wow, the rest of the community so proud of yourself in poverty and different socioeconomic classes yeah it's really interesting too because you guys say like the two main ethics behind their reasoning you know it's not logical that's why i think like how you guys took the socratic approach like you know questioning authority asking the questions why proving their contradictions wrong by continuing to questioning them but also like there's a history of the ethics of why certain values are above others it's really about control. It's yes. Complete control. It's, it's, it's totally about control. They know who I am. Uh, it took them 10 minutes, according to their log, to come to our house to give us that violation. 
Yeah. So. So I was like more angry that the city was even just spending any amount of time wasted of our taxpayer dollars. Our job as citizens to be good citizens, like ethically, we need to like be challenging our government constantly. That's our job. It's like entertaining to me because really it just told me that they care what I think and cool. So now you just gave me only more power and more gumption to just continue to be myself and to like be out here and challenging you and encouraging all my friends to challenge your ass too, because you guys signed up for this job (laughs) and your job as elected officials is to hold city staff accountable and they should not be writing codes to violate constitutional rights of people who live in Vista. That's not okay. And you as an elected official, we just watched them take the oath this week. They just took the oath again. Yep. And they raised their hand and they're like, to the Constitution of the United States, well, guess what, buddy? I just listened to you do that again. Let me call your ass out on it. <laughs> With regard to your guys' neighborhood too, were you guys the only home that were subjected to these censorship rules? Uh, well, we looked around at everybody. Like we, I became well-versed on interpretations of the local law so we were able to at least know what the city was going after what their what metric was yeah like so like what's legal or not so like according to their code so i drove around the city for like a week and i found other people who were quote unquote out of code like violating the code and then i reported them And then I had my other activist friends report them as well, just to like jam the system and have the city um, have to take action, have to take action. Because if you're going to take action against me, you have to take action against these people. So I specifically only targeted people with right leaning signage. (laughs) And then like my neighbors up the street, they wrote all over their cars, like open California and like get back to work and da da da. And like everything is just meant to be challenged don't ever take a letter that the city or a government gives you and be like oh okay well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do what you said i take it as they literally have nothing better to do so now i spend time putting in requests for public records yeah because they have to comply yeah now it's knowing the power that you have as a citizen to say okay well then get me this information like our founding fathers, they definitely were not perfect people. They're kind of gross sometimes, things you read about them. Yeah. But like their whole not vibe sometimes. was like question your government. <laughs> yeah. Like do it. Like and yeah. the way they wrote it all out is really we are supposed to be doing that. Like you are not supposed to just accept what your government is telling you to do. That's what Socrates did. He questioned Athenians, you know, the government. He questioned authority. He questioned, you know, the belief system within his community. But he was sentenced to death for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his ideas of, you know, informing the public, like never always be skeptical. Um, yeah. And that's something I say, like, I don't think we really understand like how people are skeptic now. It's more like a misunderstanding what skepticism actually is. Mm-hmm. And it's, we need to get back to the basis of going back and having that dialogue where we can communicate with one another, actively listen, 
but also learn and try to do better to change how we are as a society. Will that ever happen in today's time? I don't know. Will it ever happen no. in the future? I don't know. <laughs> It'll never be done. It's, it's an ongoing process. It is forever we are going to be working on this. It'll never end. You hear about this happening. You see it a lot in film. You hear about censorship and like music, literature, especially within literature and academics um, during wartime, but like a signage. And then you see all these like clips. You can go on the YouTube or through the news and you see all these clips of people taking signs off people's yard. And you're like, mm -hmm. how childish do you have to be to engage in behavior like that to violate someone else's you know, property that they own, that they've spent money on, but also why do you care? <laughs> like, it's power. It's power and the fear of losing power. So they knew that I'm loud out here and that yeah. I'm like going hard for people who aren't their people. So, they, I mean, they, they just, they don't, they don't want, you know, they it's don't like, want my, my little, my, my purpose gaining steam or, but it's too late. This, this beast is out of the cage. They Sorry, I already made too much and I already made too many friends and we keep making friends. It's like COVID. I'm like COVID. I just keep <laughs> don't say that right? <laughs> with my, with my leftism. <laughs> it's, it's just funny going back to see how they justify they're uh, going back to Franklin in 2016 when they amended their code. They changed the dates that you could have your signs out. It's it was just such an inconsequential like change to the code that they used the justification that oh well we all have to play by the same rules you know so we have a metric you know that it's fair election. It's like well yeah you don't have that same sense of well, fairness when you're an incumbent and you're trying to challenge the powers that be like the only power that you have is getting the word out and letting people know who you are like and if you are restricted by a rule that says you only have 30 days to do that like that's nothing but trying to we no longer have critical thinking skills our ideas are based off the ideas of others and we are we accept those because it's easy and what you guys did by take being proactive and you know seeking truth and seeking understanding and wanting to have that dialogue it's that's a harder route than most people want to do and yeah, it was, it's well, sad we also had people who were discouraging of our plight and our fight <laughs> and saying you should just play nice, you know, just, you know, maybe even this now, isn't the fight you want to like, fight. Even now when I bring it up, it's like hilarious, like how like, uncomfortable I make certain people in my community. And I'm just like, good, feel uncomfortable. You should feel uncomfortable because people tried to take your rights away. Like yeah. you should feel very, very uncomfortable about that. And if I have to be the little bird to remind you that somebody tried to do that to you, an entire institution yeah tried to do that to you then good you need to feel uncomfortable because maybe that's the path you need to take to question things and it's yeah. not every day that you wake up thinking that you're legitimately gonna have to fight for your first amendment right <laughs> yeah. and when that opportunity literally oh yes over, like you yes! have to take it <laughs> i've been waiting i'm for not this. gonna walk away and be like 
okay, let me take down my sign, sir. Like, no, fuck you. <laughs> From your experience, what is the importance of maintaining one's community's autonomy and dignity? And what is just, you know, and how do we adapt to this forever changing societal norms and beliefs? I think as much as you can, try to not, uh, like, try to, I think as much as you can, try to bring people along with you. I think I'm trying, somebody's escaping my mind. Oh, it was like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, her quote about, like, you know, have a fight, but, like, do it in a way that others want to join you or whatever. I forget what the quote is exactly, but, you know, like, you don't, it's like, if you cannot alienate people if you can um try to be objective even though it's happening to you and you want to get really personal and you know like emotional about it which we were but like explaining it and really trying to edit yourself and the words you're using to be as objective as possible is i think um as well as like universal like that this affects all of us like yeah. this isn't like this this isn't a, in your fight yeah it's everyone's my fight. issue like this is for everybody, like, yeah, and be aware. Of yeah, it. what up, like, Vista? Like, they're over here trying to take your constitutional rights away. How do you feel about that? And like, people still like during this last campaign cycle, um, I heard little things about people um, being intimidated to take their signs down and stuff. I don't know the validity really of every story. It was a lot of that's hearsay. But I was just like, you know, I can't fight those people's fights for them. Yeah, they got to do it themselves. They got to do it themselves. And I hope that I'm out here with letting people know like, hey, you should not be afraid. Do this. Yeah. Because when, the more, when more of us do it, it's actually better because we're going to jam the system up. It's yeah. the city of Vista. It's not like, it's, they're not the federal government. They don't have the resources to like take us out or something, you know, yeah. like they just can't. So jam them up. Yeah, and hopefully so, they'll think twice before they think it's okay to infringe on rights. Like yeah. the fact that they just had the audacity to be like, hey, we could do this. It's cool. I'm yeah. just shocked, completely shocked. It was pretty wild. I was like shocked, but I was also not shocked because like my activity, my community involvement, like there have been multiple, like I have we could do a whole show about all the instances where the city has, um, you know, gone out of their way to not be helpful or sort of create this environment of like, um, like you need to be asking them permission, like this very like patriarchal role in the community. And it's like, yeah. no, you guys are like a freaking, like you're supposed to be helping. Like that's yeah. not your role. You guys were elected to as servants. There's, You're all your servants. servants. They're authoritarian fetishists. It's yeah. Just they are in love with being. Even, even the little like code enforcement dude that came to her house. It was like, bro, do you realize what you're doing with your life right now? We, we like <laughs> questioned him in our yard. We were like, do you even understand what you're doing right now with your job? What do you say? He just like looked there like dumbstruck and I was not nice to him. I was like, you can eat shit, dude. You are literally <laughs> on my property trying to take my first amendment from me with your shitty written code that isn't even written properly. You don't even understand the piece of paper you're giving me. 
get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say this for this episode, my law online signs and the rule of censorship. You guys are definitely the Larry Flint and the NWA of, si- of lawn signs <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> Well, we're not the first, we won't be the last, and we're, we're still having to hold the city accountable because there hasn't been any official action uh, as far as what they, they are going to do to amend the code. As of now, the code still is on the books, so it's our duty to keep questioning them and ensure that they actually take the steps. The code has not been amended. Chad has done three different public records requests. And then yesterday when I was in the little chat thing with one of our electeds who just got reelected, he was like, oogly doogly, like, it's all better (laughs) now. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. Like, you don't just like, city staff doesn't just go in and amend a code. Like that has to go before council. It goes on there's the agenda. Process. There's a process. Like you, you like, guys make the laws here and you just thought, he thought it just assumed it was fixed. He lit, Like that was the word he used. He was like, I assumed it was fixed. No. Do you know what your job is, sir? <laughs> I think it's yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on and sharing your experiences with censorship and you know how one's actions by city officials don't consider the act, you know, the principles of ethics, like be just, respect the autonomy of your community, you know what I mean? Ensure dignity to all is just a testament of how our morals are divided still to this time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing and would like to continue rolling out ethical dilemmas with us, please subscribe to the podcast. You can do this by going onto Spotify or iTunes and you can leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can also subscribe to Patreon where you can get additional content information and details regarding the resources within each episode. Especially if you want to dive deeper into these ethical dilemmas to carry on a Socratic dialogue with your friends. Well, it's that time and I'm gonna say it. And that's a wrap. Since this is an episode about freedom of speech and censorship, it's only right for us to go out with two live crew. Thanks, y'all. My mama and your mama was talking a little shit. My mama called your mama a bull-dogging-ass bitch. I know your sister and the bitch ain't shit. She slayed me and all the boys and even sucked our dick. Jack and Jill went up the hill to have a little fun. Jack got mad, kicked Jill in the ass, cause she couldn't make him come.